This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Monday. Great to have you with us, everyone. Brought to you by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, June 7th. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who's already prepared for BYU football game day in 2021. His name is Jerem Jordan. I'm ready to go. I got the uh, I got the shirt. Uh, this is the football game day shirt. Loyal. Love it. Uh, you can get this at the BYU Store, BYUstore.com. These are the game day shirts. There's a couple different colors, navy, white, royal I'm wearing. Uh, youth small to uh, 4XL adult. So get yours today. I, I uh, Okay, so I'm moving in a couple months. I'd packed up a bunch of stuff. I'm like, where's my USA jersey? And uh, I'm going to wear it later today. I'm excited about it. You're wearing yours from the, let's see, this is from, what, two years ago? Two I years think, ago. Right? Yeah. What, what, ter- what was it? Uh, I don't even remember. Oh, it's just called the Four Star. It represents both men's and women's soccer. The Four uh, Champions. The women are really caring in this, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> but the inaugural CONCACAF Nations League won by the U.S. against Mexico. That was right? amazing. That's one that of was a very fun game. That was crazy. Bonkers games that has happened in U.S. soccer <laughs> Look history. Look out. People are going to throw stuff. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, we will discuss that later on the show today. Yeah. Things being thrown in stadiums. By the way, you're in the Royal. I've got the white. I'm going to rock that a little bit later. Let's just make sure that we have those ready to go in how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 89 days. Are there cowbells in that sound? Can we play that one more time? Are there cowbells in there? Countdown to the Wildcats. It's a train bell. Is it the tournament train? It's a train bell. It's going down the tracks? Good mojo, switching over from basketball to BYU football. 89 days, which means we are under two months away from the opening of BYU football training camp. How which is exciting. That? Which, by the way, is uh, the first week in August, sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Le- typically, like, late July, but uh, first week of August, sounds like. Because the spring was so crazy, yeah. and I'm speaking from my own paradigm, but because the spring was so crazy and there were so many sports and the late additions of volleyball and soccer into the spring, everything feels accelerated. Like, oh, already? We're, we're under two months away from BYU football training camp? That's, it's incredible. Our show lineup today includes an anonymous coach analyzing BYU football in 2021. You tell us, is he spot on in that analysis? National champion quarterback Blaine Fowler will join the program live to discuss that anonymity and those comments. And is BYU football schedule more difficult than Clemson's in 2021? Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU ranked number six in the Directors' Cup winter standings. This is a uh, standings that ranks all athletic teams, so uh, pretty awesome. Cougars' yeah. highest-ranked non-Power 5 school on the list. BYU joined by Stanford and North Carolina in the fall and winter top 10. Final standings will be released July 2nd. Quantifiable way to look at the whole athletic department and say, hey, this has been awesome. Sure. Is it the greatest Overall year in BYU athletics, that's something we need to approach. Maybe. Nationally ranked BYU track and field honored with six USTF CCCA regional awards in the mountain region specifically. Ed Eyestone named the men's coach of the year. Connor Mance awarded men's track athlete of the year. Cameron Bates, the 
Field Athlete of the Year and Kyle Grossarth, Men's Assistant Coach of the Year. On the women's side, Whitney Orton named the Women's Track Athlete of the Year in the Mountain Region, and Diljeet Taylor is the Women's Assistant Coach of the Year. Congratulations to all. Elijah Bryant and the Milwaukee Bucks play Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, who took Game 1, 115-107 on Saturday. No James Harden. Does that mean Elijah no Bryant's going to be in involved and ready to roll. Listen, Elijah Bryant's getting paid to sit front row. I think that's pretty awesome. I love it. Brandon Davies and FC Barcelona play Lenovo Tenerife in the Liga ACB semifinal today. Barcelona beat Joventut on Saturday. Davies had 13 points, 11 in a four-minute span. Jake Tulson signs with the German club BG Gotenen. Tulson uh, heads out in August. Tulson was injured in his first game in February at the G League bubble, ending his season. Congratulations, Jake. Das ist gut. In the Volleyball du Nations hast. League. <laughs> Team USA currently 3-3 three and three after six combined matches. The United States lost to Poland and Russia before bouncing back with a sweep of Australia. Taylor and Brendan Sander have yet to record any stats while Ben Patch had nine points in the three matches this weekend. Next up for the men's United States team, Iran on Wednesday. Where'd you run? Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby win dramatically in Seattle thanks to former Cougar fly half Calvin Whiting's conversion on the last play of the game in extra time. Warriors scored a try to get to that point to cut it to one and then Whiting won it. Utah hosts San Diego Legion and former all-black legend Ma'anonu this Saturday. You bring up a great question. Is it Iran? Is it Iran? I think it's Iran. Is it it Iran? Saturday Saturday Night Live did a funny uh, sketch (laughs) like in 2006. Iran. With the Lonely Island where they played on that Iran. I ran, ran so far. <laughs> Go check it out. Okay. How about a few Cougars in the minor leagues? Daniel Schneeman and the Lake County Captains lost to the Dayton Dragons on Saturday, 15-4. Tough one. Schneeman did have a double in his three at-bats. He's batting two twenty eight on the season. Colton Shaver and the Sugarland Skeeters beat the Oklahoma City Dodgers yesterday, 8-5. Shaver had a home run, three hits, two runs, three runs batted in. He's batting 375. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's that time of year. Athlon Sports Anonymous Coach Analysis. One of my favorite off-season topics. And I quote from Athlon Sports College Football Preview, which if you're new to the program or new to Athlon Sports, they ask... One coach, if not multiple, to analyze different teams across the country. And they're always super nice about it. (laughs) That's the beauty of anonymity. I quote from that article. Let's get an anonymous person on this show. On BYU football, the program is better than when Kalani Satake got there, for sure. It's not just Zach Wilson. The offensive line is more talented and better developed. This isn't the old dirty play BYU lines. Uh, The skill positions are solid. A little bit faster than in recent years we'd seen. The front seven is very good. The weakness is the secondary. You can hit them big there. There's going to be a regression for sure, but they don't have because they don't have Wilson. But even if they lose four games, they're still going in the right direction because you can see better development across the board. End quote. That was that was nice of Rocky Long to weigh in. <laughs> okay, well, there's some things given away there. I always like trying to speculate on yeah, yeah. who who is the coach. Random San Diego State assistant. <laughs> but. I mean, when I say a little bit faster than in recent years we'd seen, 
which means, okay, so this is obviously a team that has played BYU yeah. multiple times in recent years. Same you're saying. Oh. <laughs> Let's break it down line by line, Jerem. And uh, starting with this assertion that BYU football is better than when Kalani first took over. Do you agree with that statement? Let's talk. So in gymnastics, I really like what they do. You know, the, the idea that you throw out the high and the low and you are what is left, right? Okay, so let's do that. Five years of Bronco Mendenhall and Independence. Mm-hmm. Five years of Kalani Satake. I think we have some good data here. All right. Let's go. Okay, so coming off 11-1, and one, it certainly feels like BYU is in a great place, but let's look at it. Um, okay, 2011 was the 2020 for Bronco Mendenhall. An easier schedule um, than what they would play. Won 10 games. Felt good, right? Uh, but it wasn't like the other schedules. So let's throw out 2020 and 2011 as the highs. Let's throw out 2017 as the obvious low for Kalani. And then it's hard in the other four years with Bronco Mendenhall to say what was the low. I'll just say 2014, years ranked 19th and finishes and 4-0 and then finishes 8-5. and I'll just say that was the low, even though it's not actually low. It's just probably the worst one of those. Throw out one of the 8-5s. and even, Yeah, one of the 8-5s. and fives. So the, the other years, 12, 13, 15, BYU goes 25 and 14 against 17 power fives. Okay. Okay. 2016, 18, 19, BYU goes 23 and 16, two games worse, against 15 power fives, mm. two fewer P5s. Okay. I don't know. I, I think what Bronco Mendenhall left BYU with was pretty good. Obviously, we're on the high end coming off of 11 and 1, but if 11 and 1 had happened five years ago, Obviously, we feel differently about it. I, I think it was in a pretty good spot when Bronco Mendenhall left. That was an eight-and-a-half win program. Right now, BYU is coming off an 11-and-one season. But prior to that, uh, it was, you know, seven-and-six, seven-and-six. Um, so I'm not quite sure that's true. Recency bias plays into this, obviously, because BYU was in the national spotlight last year, in the college football playoff rankings for the first time in program history. They finished ranked for the first time in 11 years. So, yeah. That's going to impact this anonymous coach. And it's an outlier season. It's not a regular season. But I'm glad no you brought fives. it up. Yeah. However, Kalani Satake did go 9-4 and four in his first season. So It was nice to have Taysom Hill and, and Jamal, Jamal Williams. Williams. Right. There's, there's some right. and Kai Nakua and a yeah. bunch of NFL uh, guys yeah. for that matter. Yeah, yeah. So, I, again, yeah, this is recency bias in this quote. They're, oh, they're better now for sure than when Kalani first took over. Well, yeah, if you compare – the well, seasons what because if, he just had his best season. What if 2016 hadn't played any power fives? Then maybe they go 11 and 2. Right? Like that was that what was if an 2016 outlier. had the Robert and I offense and Bronco Mendenhall is still here. Yeah, what if what if uh Ty Detmer's not so conservative with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams? What if we're not play action passing 6 yards down the field? I love and hate the what if game with that season specifically yeah. so much. Yeah. Ugh. We had an NFL battery and we're just like with Tijon Chroma even, right? That's pretty good. Yes. Now, if we're just comparing Kalani seasons and looking at the five that he's had, obviously he's coming off the best season yeah. that he had 11 and 1, but I do feel like BYU is in a better position in terms of overall depth. And at the look at the end of the quote, you can see better development across the board. I feel like BYU is moving the right direction as it pertains to that statement. And uh, that takes us to the second part of this quote, Jerem. The offensive line is more talented and better developed. There's that word again. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. First team All-American, third round pick, first NFL draft picks, and so five. Brady Christensen by himself validates that sentence, let alone Tristan Hodge and Shannon Herring on free agent deals at the moment. And uh, we think, you know, maybe other guys down the line. 
in, in three years we'll go, how many O-linemen from yeah. the 2020 yeah. season made it to the NFL? Remind me, who was it last week that said BYU has at least two more NFL draft picks? On those Hans Hans Olsen. Olsen. It was Hans, yeah. who speaks from a position of He said there's three more. Okay, it's the three more. Yeah. So he's got Freeland, James, James Empey, Empey. And he thought maybe and, Clark And Barrington, Clark Barrington, okay. So three more offensive linemen going to get drafted into the NFL at some point. First team all, we think. Yes, we're in agreement. The offensive line is more talented yeah. and better developed, yeah. which is a very encouraging sign for BYU football. That's how you succeed as a team. It's in the lines. Okay. It's not it's skill positions matter, but I would rather be average at the skill positions but great on the interior. Let's talk about the skill yeah. positions in the quote. Skill positions are solid and a little bit faster. I'm not sure what solid means here per se, but uh, <clears throat> a little bit faster. Kind of hard to quantify. But well, Chris Jackson is really fast. Fast doesn't do any good if you don't catch the ball. Um, yeah, sure. BYU's faster. Whatever. I, this one's harder to quantify. Next. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, I would say that that's almost an undersell. I, I feel like the receivers specifically are better than solid. I think they're really good with Gunnar Romney and the Nakua brothers. And I mean, you throw in, if we're talking just all world pass catchers. Just don't say the E word. I'm, hey, <laughs> not there yet. But I do think at some point BYU will have the E word involved in a receiver or two in the upcoming years. Uh, I do not, but uh, BYU wasn't built on elite receivers. BYU is built on good to very good receivers. Okay, that's that's what like, does Dax Milne qualify as? The, Dax Milne is the epitome of BYU receiver. He really is the guy that when you look at him, you don't take seriously. Really? Then when he plays, he's awesome. BYU receivers typically don't win the pregame, but they win the game. Okay. In many instances, Do you think yes. Andy Boyce and Eric Drage won the pregame? No, but Dax Mill, have you seen game, Dax? Dax is 6'3", and he's a physical specimen. He's way bigger than Andy Boyce and Eric Drage He does were. not get a second look in a Power 5 league. The point is Really? That you're, you're getting caught up on the wrong thing here. The point is that he performed well. How you look, who cares? You know who looks better? San Diego State and UNLV's receivers. But they don't do jack squat, right? <laughs> the point is that you execute and you play well, and BYU receivers typically have done exactly that. Okay. I just, I just think it's unfair to compare Dax Mound to Eric Drage and Andy Boyce. That's all I'm saying. I, he's just a different player. He, he looks different than those guys. But I, I understand your overall point. Yeah, like who? who? Thousand-yard guys is my point. I mean – even Austin Collie is he, is he a guy? Austin looked he looked okay. the part. See, see yeah. and I I feel like but Austin Dax is, is getting the there. greatest receiver BYU's okay. ever had. That's okay. he's way over here. Yeah. Skill positions. What about the running backs? Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa. They look pretty good. I think that I think that Tyler Algier is better than just a solid running back. I think he's a really good running back. So I agree somewhat. Just feel like it's. Yeah, they I deserve I'm, more than that at the skill position. I'm excited to see Tyler against this schedule because uh, he was incredible last year. Like, incredible against whoever, right? But now it's going to be a different challenge. And uh, Tyler's toughest game came against Houston that presented a Power 5-esque sort of athletic competition, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. On to the defensive side of the ball. Quote, the front seven is very good. Secondary is the weakness. You can hit them big. There. I'm wondering uh, what this is referring to. This year's team where BYU lost Troy Warner and uh, Zane Anderson, or is it the previous year? Because I look at last year, okay, okay if I tell you BYU's ranks nationally in Did 20. Did BYU have a bad secondary? 20 plus allowed, 30 plus allowed, and 40 plus allowed. Would that make the point? 56, 20th, and 29th in 
so in uh, plays of 20 plus. 30 plus. That would qualify as solid. That was good. 20, top 30 and 30 plus and 40 plus. 20, let's go back to 2019 when we had a normal regular schedule. 33rd and 20 plus allowed. 75th and 30 plus. Okay. 55th and 40 plus. You're in the top half. I wouldn't say that was a weakness. Okay. No. If you're looking at this year and you're going, hey, maybe on the back end against those safeties, we don't, we don't know what BYU is going to present. Certainly BYU. That's a massive question mark for me. In fact, maybe the biggest one besides quarterback is, which is Jaron Hall, which is, yeah, what's BYU going to put out there on the back end? Who had the best game through the air against BYU in 2020? Was it Houston? I, I would, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, i got to go back and look at the numbers specifically. That just popped into my mind. Like, I, I wonder. BYU was fourth in scoring defense last year in yeah. the country. <laughs> I don't. Uh, and again, it's an outlier. I kind of, like, if we're just looking at 2020, sure. But I, it's, 2020 is not an indication of the future. I'm not ready to call the secondary a weakness yeah. with everybody that BYU brings back on the edges. Now, the safeties are a little bit of a concern, but can Chaz Ayu kind of playing that hybrid linebacker safety position help out there. George Udo, E.C. Capisi, like the, maybe the safety. Livingston. Yeah. I don't know. Our question of the day, is BYU football overall in a better place now than when Kalani Satake first took over? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Chris Weitzel on Twitter answers, without a doubt, it is better. When a new coach arrives, whether college or NFL, everyone expects results right away, which isn't fair. It takes time to make something better. Your style of coaching to take hold, recruiting, etc. There have been bumps, but all in all, it's better. Yeah, it's interesting to evaluate you know, what one season means to you because that's the most memorable thing, right? If you have one great season, that's what you're known for. Yet, we don't talk about Gary Croton swimmingly here. Because there were three losing seasons after. So it's an interesting balance. You're certainly remembered by the best thing you did and probably the worst thing you did, I mm. guess. But overall tenure, yeah, coming off 11-1, and one, that's going to be the best season Kalani Stake probably ever has here. When's BYU going to play a schedule that winnable? I, they won't again. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I hope there's a season better than that. I just Against all those Power Five, it's tough. Coming up, which Cougar would you pay to see in the ring? And Blaine Fowler, national champion quarterback, ready to talk anonymous coach comments. Does he agree with all of that? This is BYU Sports Nation. Was it Rocky Long? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. You want to see more highlights of Tyler Algier and Du Bois? BYU Sports Nation has its own YouTube channel. Subscribe today get uh, interviews and reactions from the show as well as episodes of BYU Sports Nation Radio. We're live on a Monday in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, former national champion BYU quarterback, our dual threat analyst, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, welcome back to the show. It's, uh, it's good to have the posse back together. We're still waiting on you in studio, though. You guys, I was over there this morning giving a tour, but they just wouldn't let me come near you guys. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You can't. Even though you've all been vaccinated, don't go near those two. It's good to, we don't want you near them. Good to see security's still doing its job. It's great. <laughs> yeah. They're t- and then they're like, I was like, hey, I want to talk to Jeremy Spence. So like, and you are? I was like, I'm, I'm Blaine. Blaine Fowler. I'm Blaine Fowler. AFR, countdown and to kickoff, and men's basketball. And, and they're football. like. And, and, this, and this is regarding? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're like, I'm Blaine Fowler from Stryker? So 
Yeah. They're like, Oh, come on. I just, I just gave, I gave up. I gave up. I just walked out my head down and a little bit defeated. And I had to pump myself back up to come back on the show. With you <laughs> we'll put you on the VIP list next time. Our apologies. for <laughs> Thank uh, you. I tell appreciate them, that. Tell them you're with studio C you'll get rid of Blaine. We've been talking about this anonymous coach in Athlon sports that broke down BYU football and the current state of the program and are very excited to discuss if you feel like this coach knows what they are talking about. So let's begin with this, that BYU football is better than when Kalani first took over. How do you feel about that initial assertion? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think they've upgraded the talent systematically and, and especially up front. I know that when Kalani took the job, he took a look at what they had in the program and said, need to get back to marquee BYU principles, the kinds of players that that BYU can consistently recruit. And, and I know that he felt like he had to rebuild up front immediately, especially on the offensive line and on defensive fronts. But he felt like it was going to take some time because to do what they used to do, he felt like they needed to go out and get long, lean, athletic offensive linemen. So we're talking 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", that in high school they only maybe weigh 250. And so those guys come in and they, they shouldn't be playing right away. You grow them into the position. What happens is they end up being six, seven monsters that can manhandle people. And so I want you to think back to the beginning of Kalani's time. He's starting Brady Christensen at left tackle at 255 pounds because he had to, right? And then Brady grew into a 310-pound monster draft pick that's an NFL guy that's going to play for a long time in the league. The good news is, is now Blake Freeland's going over there and going to play that left tackle at 6'7 and 320 pounds. Mm. But he's a ch- had a chance to get seasoned and to learn. He, he didn't have to get thrown in there as a 250-pound guy right off of his mission. And so, yeah, they've come a long way, and I think that's probably the biggest area. But I also think they've improved tremendously at all of the skilled positions. Um, so, yes, they are much better um, athletically and physically than they were when he got here. Certainly we will feel good about what happened last year going into the future, 11-1, and one, obviously. And it's interesting, Blaine, because – I want to take that and say, yes, BYU's building off that, and they will. Yet there's a part of me that says, well, that's an outlier in many ways, right? Given the schedule and the situation, BYU took advantage in an amazing way. So what from last year is an outlier, and what is, no, 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 this is sustainable, this is who we are? So go back to what we just first talked about. I think up front it's sustainable. I think they match up with anybody in the country up front with very few exceptions. And now I think like you look at it and you go, okay, who's the next guy? Um, and I'm looking at Kime, who I'm watching last season, and I'm going, oh, he, he looks like a baby deer right now. Well, I just saw him. I just saw all those offensive linemen. I went over and it's the beginning of camp, and, and those guys are all working as counselors at camp. And I'm like, whoa, doesn't look like a baby deer anymore. He, he looks more like a full-grown bull elk right now. And then, like, next year he's going to be a moose, you know. And, and so – they, they've now got the program going where they bring these guys in, they develop them, they play a little bit as they're coming along, and then they become the guy at their position as they grow into it. Um, I think that's sustainable, and I think they have guys in each class in the program. Uh, I think Daryl Funk's got a great group to work with, and they're just going to continue to be good. And when BYU's good, they maul people at the line of scrimmage. So they beat the heck out of you in the run game. They pass protect. And, and and that allows them to do a lot of things and they're and they're passing, you know, and they're passing in their ball control pass game. And so I think it's sustainable. I think they're gonna be good on offense for a long time because of what they have up front. 
Blaine, you already mentioned the skill positions once. We certainly discussed what BYU has at receiver and running back specifically. We know the three quarterbacks are going to battle for that starting position, but this anonymous coach said skill positions are solid and a little bit faster. How would you assess that commentary? Well, it depends. We're ta- if we're talking offense, um, they're more than solid. This wide receiving core now with with uh, Nakua times or two, right? Yeah. Um, along with with Gunner, who's hopefully healthy, right? Um, I don't know if he was fully healthy all year last year, and he was still a force to be reckoned with, right? And then the tight ends are tight ends are as good as anybody in the country has. Isaac Rex is as good a young tight end talent as anybody has. Period. Right. So I don't know where it says, hey, they're good. They have a very, very good, um, a way above average group of skilled players on the offensive side, right? That's That receiving core, especially when you include the tight ends, is, is outstanding. And Tyler Algiers, he's as good as anybody has in the country. I mean, there's some elite, elite guys, right? But we're talking about a guy that runs in the 4-4s four that weighs 225 pounds and has good vision. <laughs> he, he's he looks like an NFL running back. So I don't think there's a weakness in BYU's skilled group this year. So I, I don't know who that is talking, but I think he's probably understating how good they are offensively on the skills. On the defensive side, linebackers are not skills. They're kind of tweeners. BYU's linebackers are, are national class linebackers. Like, again, as good as anybody has, period, anybody. And in the secondary, I'm with you, Jeremy. You were saying earlier on the show that, that – you're waiting on the safeties to see. I think they have some athletes they can put there, but we have to see how productive they are, right? To me, that's that's the only thing on defense I'm concerned about. Corners, BYU, you can't throw over the top of BYU's corners. Nobody did it last year. If Let's say they start Keenan Ellis and D'Angelo Mandel. That's two guys that run 10, 600 meters at the corner. You don't just run by BYU. Like whoever that coach is must be thinking about 15 years ago because they have the skill. When BYU I knew it was Rocky. Because they make a, <laughs> you think it was Rocky? <laughs> it, could, it, it could have been Rocky. But you, you don't just throw the ball over the top of BYU's corners. If if BYU makes a mistake, it's because they brought really athletic corners in and they played him. They played a Chris Wilcox when he was a freshman. You know, they 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 played him too young. Well, nobody ran by Chris Wilcox last year because he was smart. They they never ran by him because he didn't have the speed to keep up. BYU's corners run as well as anybody's corners. Um, the problem is, is they were rebuilding this thing. They had to play those guys too young and, and they were making mental errors and they were getting beat mentally. Now they're kind of where they were with the offensive line where these guys have been around. Keenan Ellis is a seasoned dude out at corner. Like he can play, he can flat out cover. I, I expect BYU to play a lot more man this year, which is less confusing, right? You have fewer breakdowns when you just tell the guy, just go cover that guy and don't let him go by you and make a play. They can do that more this year because of the, the corners. And so the big question for me is, do they find the pieces at safety mm-hmm. that can make this a good defense versus a really good defense? And, and that will be the difference. So we'll, we'll watch for that. But outside of safety, I, they're very good at corner and they're outstanding at linebacker and, and their defensive line is deep and solid. Okay, the next comment. Front seven is very good. Secondary is the weakness. You can hit them big there. You address the secondary. Let's talk about the front seven is very good. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think, and that's where I think they need to grow into it. They're still, they've got a lot of bodies. You know, they had Kyrus last year. It's it's hard for a, a Kyrus to to really stand out because he's playing inside. But if you watch him on the films, there's times where he was just dominating in there. And I know he's he's been doing well so far 
um, in, in his uh, professional career in the, in the few mini camps that they've had. Um, so I look at it and I'm like, I, there's some breakout guys. Like I think Batty is a guy that, that we're going to turn around and when he's done and go, wow, that guy developed into a really, really special player. Um, I, I think, uh, 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 Fisher, uh, Oh, Fisher losing Jackson? my mind. Last name guy. Fisher yeah. Fisher Jackson. Jackson. I think Fisher Jackson is just about a year behind Batty in terms of his development. And he has the potential to be a really good edge guy. So I think they have some pieces on that D line, the D line this year, I feel like I'm going to just call them solid this year. A lot of good guys. There could be some breakout guys. And then a year from now, maybe that D line catches up with the O line in terms of, is it a sustainable every year kind of thing? So solid is the word I'm going to use for the D line this year. Outstanding is the word I'm going to use for the linebacking core, very skilled and athletic for the corners. And let's wait and see how the safeties turn out. That's my, that's my assessment of the defense. I want to ask you more about the defensive line. This is an area that when Kalani Satake came to BYU, we thought, oh, it's going to be a massive upgrade. BYU is going to bring in these guys he was getting at Utah. Hasn't quite happened, right? Kyrus Tonga is the guy, but uh, let's look at who BYU has on the line that perhaps could make an impact. Lorenzo Faltea coming off an injury, but a ton of experience there. Probably coupled with Atunaisa Mahe, who's hopefully the next Kyrus Tonga, if there is one. And then on the edges, you mentioned Tyler Batty, uh, Fisher Jackson. Uriah Tawa was perhaps going to have a breakout. He breaks his leg in uh, fall camp. Um, who, do you, who do you see making an impact on that D-line this year? Well, and, and I love, You've outlined p- part of the problem of why they're not where we expect them to be, and it's been this kind of rash of injuries in that group, guys that you wanted to have develop. Um, I think that Nysa is going to have a big impact this year. I think he's going to be a guy that folks have to double team. Um, when you look at Lorenzo, a healthy Lorenzo, he has a body. You look at him and go, oh, this is the kind of guy we thought that he was going to get. But, but I'm going to go back to the original one I talked about. I think that Batty is going to have a breakout year mm. this year. And, and, and the reason is he's just a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. He's fast. But if you, if you just go to practice for two days and watch that kid two days in a row, you're, you're going to be – I'm going to take a line from Hamilton, the music musical. This guy is nonstop. Like, <laughs> he just it, – it's relentless. Like, he reminds me of – like, when I used to go watch Chris Hoke at practice – or, or you know, and Brett was playing over on the on the offensive side of the ball. Brett Kiesel, those those two Pittsburgh Steelers D linemen. But when I think of those two, I think of my gosh, these guys are just relentless. They just never let up. Chris Hope never ever ever let up for a single play ever. I go watch Batty, and I'm going, dude doesn't stop. The motor never stops, and he plays with an edge to him. And so now he's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He was already really skilled. I think that combination of strength, speed, and skill. And you put that into the mindset of a guy that's just going to work every day and just is relentless. I think this is his breakout year. And I hate to put that kind of pressure on him, but I have a lot of faith of the guy that works that hard emerging and being not just a great player, but a leader on that defensive line. Tyler Batty is young, scrappy and hungry and certainly not throwing away his shot. Correct, Blaine? Yeah, not throwing away my shot. Like, I, but isn't that a good description of him? This, this, this guy is nonstop. non-stop. Just like Alexander Hamilton. Never stops working. Never stops moving. Just you can't, you can't hold him down. That's, that's Tyler Batty. Love it. Blaine, we appreciate the time and the analysis. We're only uh, 89 days away from college football, man. Uh, you guys, I, I kind of like after I was down, after you guys shunned me when I was in there, and I, I tried to pick myself back up, <laughs> I went over to the beginning of high school camp with all the coaches there and all the kids there getting ready to go. And you could just, ooh, you could just feel it. I could just feel football 
is close, you guys. It gave me the chills a little bit, and it got me up and got me over the fact that you guys shunned me, and now I'm feeling good about myself. Everything's good. <laughs> You'll get over it. Unshun. Blaine, thanks for the time, man. We'll talk again soon. All right, guys. See ya. Blaine Fowler on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Let's just hope Aaron Burr is not on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. Does BYU have a harder schedule than Clemson? And a USC quarterback says Provo's weird. Breaking news. Is he right? This is BYU Sports Station. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. Let's whip it on a Monday. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. USC quarterback Keaton Slovis told the Momentum Truck podcast that Provo is a weird place. <laughs> and sober hecklers were saying, Slovis, you stink. You stink, man. Should Cougar fans be proud or offended by his comments? They should be absolutely proud of the commentary. Anytime someone says, man, Provo's weird, congratulations. You've done it. But then he also added, they were giving us like these... Little gift bags on the way out and hey, good luck to you the rest of the way. Whatever. If that's if that's weird, and it probably is compared to most college towns, great. I'm happy to be part of that weird. He compared it to the Truman show. He was weirded out by the kindness. Yes, Provo is different it's than weird. South Central LA. This just in. <laughs> you stink, man. <laughs> he said he said, yeah, they weren't cursing. Let's be honest. Not all BYU fans are like the ones he described. Right. Okay? Not not everyone's a saint, pun intended. Uh, but it's, all good. But but the hecklers are sober, so th- there's a different element right. to that too. Right, <laughs> which just makes it all the more weird. Yes. <laughs> all right, Jerem. Let's stay with uh, fans and not so much heckling. This but is one of the greatest things. Ass- in the history assaulting of BYU athletes. Uh, should BYU fans bring back the tradition of throwing tortillas on the field? I'm not calling this to action at all. <laughs> Okay. Hey, okay, this used to be a tradition. Yes. I don't know the origins of it. I just know when I was younger and went to the games, people would throw tortillas on the field. We looked into this uh, by searching on Google for 0.8 seconds, did some deep research, and found an article in 2002 from the Daily Universe, now called The Universe, uh, that is incredible. We need to read it. Ready? Yes. There we go. Quote, what goes on at BYU football games, John Fake Name said. They don't let us do anything. We can't rush the field or tear down the goalpost. We need some life at the game. Enough of the wave. As fun as that is, we wanted something more. Now from Duff Tittle um, in BYU Sports Information. It's completely inappropriate of a BYU crowd. (laughs) New quote. I turned to give my friend a high five and I got hit in the face with the tortilla, said David Lowe, 18-year-old freshman from Calgary, Alberta with an open major. What's up, David? I don't really care what his major is. I was shocked and chagrined that such riffraff attend (laughs) BYU sporting events. Some people think it's funny, but there's nothing funny about a bruise. I ask you again, is Provo weird? (laughs) Ask Gio Reyna about getting hit in the face from something Now that, that is inappropriate, okay? But full drinks, if it was a tortilla... Come on. No, tortilla, very different than a full drink and angry Mexican fans in Denver that are mad that the United States took a 3-2 lead on a controversial penalty. Yeah, well, they got one that they missed. Yes, they they had a chance, right? They had a chance. So that's different when you're throwing things that are like... Full volumes of liquid. He can't. He can't throw a bottle, right? Yes. Or and Rain even, was, uh, even he was hurt. He was woozy. Yeah. Well, like for was... us, he was fine in the post game. Okay. Um, so just in the moment. But not good. Should we bring back the tortillas? We are not going to tell you to take tortillas and throw them. <laughs> 
athletics on line one? No, don't don't throw stuff on the field. That's it is a it is a funny wise. tradition from the past. Which, by the way, apparently there were corn. I don't know why not flour. I would like to hear the. Do cor- uh, I think corn tortillas fly better. They're more like discs. <laughs> They're more aerodynamic. They're more frisbee friendly. What if they are fried beforehand? <laughs> That's not good. Can you then roll them into the They're blanket fried? into the then stadium? You're, then you're leaving bruises and hurting people. Okay. <laughs> Why is wow. why is Riley Atala out against Utah? Oh, because <laughs> got hit by a corn tortilla. <laughs> got hit by it was corn fried. Tortilla. Those dirty hecklers. Man, Provo's weird. Man, it was probably the Utes throwing him. <laughs> Tad Ochocinco stepped into the ring last night. We need to just do a whole show on the tortilla gate. Tad Ochocinco stepped into the ring last night for an exhibition boxing match. Which current or former Cougar would you pay to see get into the ring? First respect to Chad Ochocinco. I thought that was really fun. I would pay to see Taysom Hill get in the ring. I feel like Taysom Hill can do anything. He's the Swiss Army knife. He's he's good at everything he does. Basketball, golf, football. Like, he tries something, and he's immediately good at it. Like, to a frustrating point. Yeah, yeah. I want to see Taysom Hill get in a boxing ring. And I, I'm just imagining that... The overall, uh, I guess, analysis would be, well, oh, he's way he's way better than you would think as, like, an amateur boxer. I bet he'd be awesome, yeah. Yes. Um, my first thought was a former boxer turned football player, Vice Kahema. Dude was like... He's already a boxer. Growing up, it, he was a champ in nationals. Okay, so we actually have from Mike Tyson's punch-out what this would look like with Vice Kahema and Taysom Hill. And it is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Taysom's uh, got a sweet farmer stand going. He is from Idaho. He is from Idaho, but he hasn't lived there in many moons. So he's getting more sun now. Yeah, Vi looking cut as always. Vi still looking like that, by the way. I'm trying to figure out who the heads of the players are photoshopped. Like, that's Mike Tyson's body on Vice for Vice Sikahama. And then it's uh, Joe or whatever, right? No, it's that, no that, that, dude, that dude's too ripped. That Glass Joe. Taysom Mill is not on Glass Joe's body. <laughs> who, who is it? <laughs> Mr. Macho Man, maybe? It's not Von Kaiser. It's not Soda Papinski. <laughs> it's not Aaron Ryan. It's definitely not Bear Hunter. I don't know. Is it's it, not Great Tiger or it, Bald Bull. Is it Soda Papinski? Maybe it's Brady Papinga. What? I have no idea. Okay, you said it's not Soda Papinski. I have no idea. Yeah, whatever. I, hey, I, fantastic I, stuff. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I would love to see Taysom Hill get in a boxing ring. Charity match, whatever. Love to see Mitt Ryan. Oh, wait, that already. Like happened. Taysom Hill and Travis Wilson from Utah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun, right? Wilson a little rivalry the, boxing Wilson match. would have the reach. Okay, Lauren Gustin of BYU Women's Basketball posted on the BYU WBB Twitter account a video of her favorite pair of shoes. Yes, I got a Carolina blue and black pair of Air Jordan 1 lows. They are fire. I like it. Jerem, what is your go-to fire pair of shoes? Okay, this was uh, an impulse buy during the last dance. Uh, The the Air Jordan ones, the retros. Mm, Mm -hmm. Delicious. Mm -hmm. These are my faves, dude. Okay. Uh, Yeah, the the navy and the black. like it. Okay, now I... So, there's a backstory here. I always wanted the Air Jordan 6s. These were the shoes that Michael Jordan wore when he won his first NBA championship. I could never afford them as a kid. I had the black infrared ones when I moved back to Pro Bowl in 2013, and I thought, I can't have a pair of shoes that are red. I can't ever wear this. So I, I found the royal blue BYU version of the Air Jordan 6s. Nice. And they are my favorite shoes. Nice. Do they qualify as fire? I don't know. I think they do. 
But uh, I yeah. feel like we're too old to say uh, the word fire. You know, fire like that. Slash, don't yell. These are fire. Public place. Coming up, a grateful rising chat. And is BYU football playing a tougher schedule than the Clemson Tigers? Okay. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We've got a brand new show on BYU Radio. It's a podcast for podcast friends as well. It's called Deep Blue. It's an audio, long-form version of, you know, storytelling. You're familiar with the TV show. Now we have this. Mitch Matthews made his debut on the show. You would uh, go with any lead person early in the season. Hail Mary versus Nebraska. I'm going to ignore that. Uh, shed that tackle. Uh, how he dealt with his mother's funeral and his own wedding in the same week as well. It's on demand on the BYU Radio app where podcasts are found. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live on your streaming screens all over the world from Studio B. Let's uh, just throw the question right out there, Jerem. As we look at the 2021 college football season and what BYU is going to face, uh, much has been said about these seven Power 5 opponents for the Cougars. But when you compare it to a blue blood football program, national power like Clemson, where does it stack up? Uh, Jerem, is BYU scheduled this year harder than Clemson's, who in their ACC format avoid a couple of usually tougher games? Yeah, Miami and North Carolina are the uh, biggest challengers, it would seem, from year to year in the last couple of years. So it's interesting. When you look at both, um, you know, BYU won't play anybody as tough as Georgia, who's sixth in Bill Connolly's SP. But you look at the rest of the schedule, okay, who else is in the top 20 for Clemson as of now? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, BYU has Utah, Arizona State, USC, all in the top 20. 17, 18, and 19. Arizona State's overrated in that, but anyway. Uh, Add in Boise State for the top 40. Okay, there's four. So top 50, Adwazoo, Baylor barely out, uh, six in the top 51. Clemson has five in the top 50. So... Yeah, on paper, I think BYU has a tougher schedule. Um, ultimately, BYU is not going to finish as highly ranked as Clemson. Obviously, they won't start um, as highly ranked as Clemson but, either. But what we do, but what we do is we set, uh, celebrate a schedule more than the actual games. So here we are <laughs> discussing this question in June as if it was a championship. Well, I'm looking at. Uh, I mean, Clemson's got UConn. BYU's got Idaho State. That's a wash. Okay, so SC State is their <laughs> FCS opponent, I'm but yeah, 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 yeah. UConn still independent, right? In football, I think so. I'm just question: gonna... Do they actually feel the football team? UConn we know went this? to a BCS game. Well, think about good. that. It was good to be in the Big East. UConn went to a BCS game. Yeah, BYU did not. Yeah. What? Yeah. My, how it, it, uh, the it, Huskies have fallen in that regard. Got to be in the right league at the right time. Yes. I mean, based on just the consistency, the consistent toughness of BYU's schedule, I would say, yeah. I mean, Georgia's going to be an, an amazing game for Clemson to kick off the season. That opening that, weekend is incredible. Yeah. But, yeah, who else is really going to challenge Clemson? Maybe a game at Louisville or at Pitt. There's always a weird game, right? Two toughest no road challenges. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, mean, I think the overall tough balance of BYU schedule rates as a more difficult schedule than Clemson, which is wild, which I yeah. know you love so much. I, hey, BYU's got yay, a tougher yay. schedule than Clemson. Therefore, Jordan what? is here for it. Like, therefore, what? You know, Boyd K. Boyd K. Packer apparently, with the, you know, the Quorum of the Twelve, would sit there and say, they'd discuss something and he'd say, therefore, what? Which is a nice way and a formal way of saying, so what? Like, <laughs> 
So what? <laughs> if BYU's schedule is harder than Clemson, so what? Who cares? I'm not waiting you for, for you to implement that for the rest of the show. The rest, therefore there, what? Therefore what? Like he's basically saying, get to the point. Like what's the point? Okay, okay BYU has a tougher schedule. Crickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like okay, yes, BYU plays a tougher schedule. I I hate this. Like I hate that we celebrate how tough a schedule is. How about you celebrate how you actually performed on the field more? I I have an issue philosophically with this. I'm looking at some of the numbers on the Clemson side, too. South Carolina, 90. You're telling me Georgia Southern is a tougher opponent than Clemson playing their (laughs) rival at South Carolina? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. SEC versus, you know, Georgia Southern. (laughs) What? And again, this is right now. Based on S&P Plus. And and again, okay, does the schedule matter as much as your performance? No. Look at BYU's schedule last year. Not great. BYU had to do what it had to do. We all know that. We've talked about it many times. The way BYU played was the impressive part. Not just winning, but how BYU played within those wins was really impressive. Okay. Like, there were only, what, two games that were close? UTSA and Coastal Carolina. And Coastal Carolina finished as a ranked BYU team. was graded on a curve on that one, nationally. Because of the three days of preparation. Because of what BYU chose to do. And then the truck tracker happened. <laughs> yeah. That was, <laughs> that was like the bigger story almost. <laughs> Like, what was the bigger story? The truck, Zach Wilson getting roughed up at the end of the first half, or the actual game? You know what I mean? Oh. Well, it was a great game, too. It was a great game. Great theater, for sure. Somehow that was only on ESPNU. Probably because it was scheduled midweek. Yeah. We can't. We don't have any other place to move it. Like, game day went there. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, congratulations. Let's hang a banner. Schedule. Schedule a tougher schedule than Clemson in 2020. Congratulations, everybody. We did it. We won the ship. We got it done. Literally the only thing BYU is going to do better in Clemson this year. We are going to follow BYU's Pac-12 record, by the way. Five five Pac-12 opponents. Of course we will. If if they win the Pac-12 South, we're hanging a banner. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And if they win it outright, that will equal what Utah has done. (laughs) Coming up, is BYU football in a better place now than it was under Bronco Mendenhall? We continue the discussion. Plus, a rise and shout-out to the greatest generation as we look way back. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe rate, and review. Okay, so we're talking about tortillas being thrown on the field? Oh, yeah. So I tweeted, hey, remember when BYU fans throw tortillas on the field last night? Someone tweeted, 1986, until someone wrote a letter to the Daily Universe editor complaining one lacerated his eye. Oh, boy. The next week, they threw marshmallows. That's better. Okay. That's, Still, that's, that's we don't, better. we don't advocate throwing anything on the field. No. But it is funny to think about don't, in the past. Don't chuck objects. Just don't throw things on the field. How about you chuck money at the program? Yeah, okay. How about that? I like that idea. <laughs> Every time we're bringing up tortillas, I just keep thinking about Pablo Francisco, that comedian that does little tortilla boy. Little tortilla boy. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like you should do like a movie preview for like the, what a, we've been discussing. In a world. In a stadium. BYU <laughs> <laughs> fans throwing tortillas. Lacerating. No! Get down! <laughs> Twice the action. Get down again! Yeah, yes! Pablo Francisco, little tortilla boy. If you don't know, do well, yourself a favor. Just told you the gist. YouTube it. Get it <laughs> Oh, our question of the day. Is BYU football in a better place right now than when Kalani Satake first took over? Get down again. Get down again. (laughs) 
Kyle Taylor on Twitter says, Broncos teams were formidable, but there's an uptick in swagger in the team as a whole. I'd like to see how the team trends after last year's success. Yeah, it's, Wait and see. it's really easy to be excited about what BYU has done. 11-1, first team All-American left tackle, second pick in the draft, top 15. Yeah, everything's great. What's sustainable um, is hopefully what we're you know talking about, and, and BYU sure. can continue that. Our elite voice of the day, Jerem, off topic. Still presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. And again, this response, not for our question of the day, but to some breaking news from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Beginning this October, Saturday evening sessions of conference will be discontinued going forward. Breaking like two hours ago, but yes. Okay. Yes. At WDHeath40 responds on Twitter. Seems to me that... President Russell M. Nelson knows that having Alex Barcelo back will take BYU to the Final Four this year. Uh, we wish. No yeah. conflicts on Saturday night yes. watching the Final well, Four. S- serious question. I, I wonder if um, you know BYU football will be able to schedule Saturday night games. Obviously, you don't want the day of thing maybe still, but you don't have to do a Friday night game against Utah State anymore if there's no Saturday evening session if you start a game if BYU's playing an 826 kickoff game at home to me that's fine the last session ends at four sure it takes all day sure. for some people and in the past BYU has played a handful of road games right on Saturday night I remember at San Diego weekend. State in 05 John Beck had a butterball moment in that one it was super <laughs> weird but, yeah. 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 Oh. that started right as preseason session in okay final four Hey, no con, no, no conflicts. All right, our rise and shout out presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. This goes to the greatest generation. D Day, seventy-seven years ago, man. Uh, thanks to uh, obviously everyone involved in that. A lot of lives lost on that day, but it was it was necessary to take down uh, the tyranny. Yeah, I always watch something related to World War II. I watch a, a show called World War II in HD every D Day to just kind of. Remember what yeah. they did. It's incredible yeah. stuff. I watched the SD version. Okay. All right, thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to Glenn Kozlowski. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Are we discussing schedules again tomorrow, Jerem? Therefore, what? <laughs>